people. I pray today that as I preach this word, there will be people that will come to themselves and say, I'm running back to the Father's house. I pray it in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands now, lift up your voice. Somebody shout amen. And you may be seated. Last Sunday, if you were not here, uh, you owe it to yourself to uh, visit our podcast and listen to the message that uh, evangelist Tim Green preached on Sunday. He preached a beautiful message about the father, the father. The title of his message was Daddy Issues. And if that don't pique your interest, nothing will. Go check that out. It was a great message about the father. And uh, I find no better point of entry into the concept of the father than Luke 15. Luke 15 is a story uh, or it's a, it's a moment in the life of Jesus and Jesus is telling stories and all of these sinners and publicans and the outcasts of society have joined in to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people, if you go back to the beginning of this chapter, the religious people of that time, they're so mad. They're so mad that Jesus would talk to these people. They're so angry that Jesus would even have conversations with them. And they even say this. They say, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And they're just, they're, they're, they're angry. They're, they're murmuring. It's, it's, a, it's a question. I thought he was a rabbi. I thought he was a priest. And in, in, in their context of being a leader, in their context of being a Pharisee, in their context of being a priest, in their context of being a rabbi, you don't, you don't hang with people. You don't spend time in relational conversation with people. The, these are the men who would want people to see them in the street and say, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. And they, they, they want the pomp and the circumstance, the political power, and they want that pool and power of life. And so they're, they're frustrated with this moment that Jesus is just chilling with these sinners and publicans of all things, not just sinners, but publicans, Jews that have lent their gifts to the Romans and betrayed us, traitors. And, you know, we, we all have a, a sin grader, don't we? We, we? we like to grade sin. We'll sit with fornicators and adulterers all day long, but don't put us in no room with no homosexuals. Well, it got tight right there. It got quiet in the house. Because we all have a, 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 we have a grade we like to put on people. We, 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 we grade the sin and so this is why the Pharisees and Sadducees will call them sinners and publicans because they got two groups. We got the regular old sinners, you just sinning. But you're a publican, you're a traitor, you're no good. Why would you even talk to these people? But Jesus just sits down and talks, tells stories. And the stories that he's telling, I, I love the way that Jesus works because he's telling a story to these sinners and publicans, but he's talking to them Pharisees and scribes. Looking, he's looking in the eyeball of the sinner. But his spirit is looking over that guy going, you hearing this? I'm talking to you, cuz. It's not, it, you know, we would call this maybe a little passive-aggressive activity. But Jesus had his way of doing things. 
And so Jesus just begins to tell a story. He said, you know, there's a shepherd, and that shepherd had 100 sheep. And one of those sheep got lost in the middle of the night, stormed, got scared, ran away, couldn't find him. So the shepherd left the 99, just left them there. And he went looking for that one sheep. And when he found him, he threw him over his shoulder, brought him back home, called his friends and said, man, y'all got to come over here and celebrate with me. I, I got ribs on the grill right now, chips and queso going out. We, come on over. We're going to celebrate. While we celebrating, I found my sheep. Man, I'm just so excited. And then he draws a comparison. He says, just like that celebration, heaven has a celebration over one sinner that repenteth. Oh, he's, he's, he's talking to the sinners, but he wants them scribes to hear him. Yeah. And then he says, and, and also there was a woman, and she had 10 coins. And somehow, some way, she lost the coin, fell out of her pocket, went in between the couch into the abyss. You know how every, everybody got a couch. That just, if, if something get lost in it, it's gone. It's the, it's the Bermuda Triangle. You know, you got that s- spot beside your, in, in your car between the console and the seat. If you drop something down in there, might, might as well just go get a new one. Just buy a new one. Just buy, if you drop a kid in there, you just go get a new kid. You're not going to find it. She couldn't find it. She lost it. She turned the house upside down looking for it. And when she finally found it, I don't know where she found it at, but when she finally found it, the Bible doesn't say this, but in my estimation, she probably spent the nine throwing a party to celebrate the one. She called all of her neighbors. When's the last time any of y'all did such a thing? Any of y'all ever done such a thing? Lose the TV remote. Look for the TV remote all day long. Can't find it. Finally, you look in the flower pot. Who put the remote in the flower pot? Why is it in the flower pot? Why, who would do that? You're fired as a family member if you put the remote in the flower pot. But we finally find it. And instead of just finding it and being happy, we found it. We call all the neighbors. Yo, I found the remote. Come over. Come over. I got Doritos, the purple bag. Y'all know about that purple bag? I got Coke that ain't flat. I mean, if you want a flat Coke, just buy a Pepsi. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Or if you want a Pepsi, just buy a Coke, take the lid off, wait three days, drink that. Amen. She said, I got all kinds of streamers and party gifts because I found what was lost. And he said again, angels rejoice. Heaven stops everything. There's a party going on up here. Y'all remember, there's a party going on down here. Uh Uh-uh. There's a party going on up there. When one sinner, all it takes is one, me and you, we don't shout until there's a crusade. We don't, we don't shout till we got numbers. But the, but the Lord said, no, heaven goes bananas over one person that'll just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. He says, he says this is what heaven's like. And then he, he, he shifts. He's talking about, he's talked about a man with sheep, 
a woman with coins. But then he talks about a father with sons. And this, 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 everybody knows what it's like to lose your glasses and they be on, find them on top of your head, you know. Or like I was doing one time, looking for my sunglasses and I was wearing them. They were actually on my face. And I was like, these are some good sunglasses. Because you didn't even know they were there. We've all, we know what it's all like to lose something, but losing a child is different. It, it ain't a sheep and it ain't a coin. It ain't, it ain't something you watching or something that was given to you. I mean, this is important. And he talks about this father who loses a son. He has two sons, good, good boys. But, but at some point, one son got tired of living the life at the farm. He got tired of what it took to just live on the farm all the time. He wanted to do more. He wanted to have more. He wanted to experience some things. He wanted, he wanted to see the world. He wanted to see life. He, he'd been reading the, the magazines and, and he, he'd been watching online. And he was on everybody else's Instagram and it looked so fun out there. It looked so exciting out there. And he said, Dad, listen, uh, if you don't mind, I'll take my inheritance now. I know that I have to wait till a certain time to receive it, but I'll take my inheritance now because there's, there's some things I want to do. And so the father, the father knowing that there's no need to argue with this boy, no need for me to try to fight him to stay here. The father, in his loving way, allowed the son to have his way. Sometimes the greatest thing that God can do for us is just let us have our way. And I'm, I'm thankful today that God let me have my way sometimes. Because when he just let me have my way, I realized the error of that way, and I never did that way again. If I wouldn't have known, I, I would have never known. If I would have never gone, I would have never known. But this young man decided he, he knew better, and he wanted so much more for himself. And so he took the father's money, and he left. Not many days after he received his inheritance, he left. He, he took his stuff and, and he left. And the Bible says he went to a far country. He got out of there. It wasn't, it wasn't down the street. It wasn't the neighbor's house. No, he left. This man went on a journey. He went to a far country. He went a long ways away from the father's house and he had a blast. Oh, he had a blast. He was having so much fun. He was partying. He was buying his friends drinks and gifts and he, he, he was, the Bible will tell us later on, the Bible doesn't tell us, the brother tells us. Now, I ain't got really time to preach all that today, but the only way that we know that this man had been spending his money on harlots, prostitutes, is the brother told it, right, right? So that's a whole nother story of how God, the father, never asked him one thing what he did, but the brother wanted all the details. We come in here, God, God's like, I don't care what you did. Come on down here, I love you. But the brothers are like, well, I don't know if you know this, but I was on Facebook the other day, and I had seen that, um, yeah, because we nosy. God's forgiving. And, 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 but, but we know this about the young man, that he was having himself a good old time. He was living it up. But the Bible said there came a famine to that land. Oh, Hallelujah. There came a famine to that land, and here's what I want everybody to know, that sin has its pleasures for a season. 
I, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you today that it ain't going to be fun. It's probably going to be a blast, but it's a season. It's probably going to be amazing, but it's a season. Here's what you need to know, that sin will take you further than you wanted to go. It'll cost you more than you wanted to pay. And it'll hold you longer than you wanted to stay. Because sin is a beast whose belly is never full. You ain't ever going to satisfy sin. Because sin in the, in the word is a type and shadow of the flesh. And just like your flesh is never satisfied, sin is never satisfied. And you know you're not satisfied. You know you're not. Even when you feel like you are, you're not. Some, Thursday night, somebody talked me into driving 30 minutes from where we were at at the conference to go to Marietta Diner. And I got to Marietta Diner at 11 p.m. And I ate eggs, French toast, bacon, some other stuff. I forgot what I ate. But James Morrow, I was in there putting it away. You hear me? Like I ain't never ate before in my life. I had been singing, worshiping, working at the conference. I was hungry. I woke up Friday morning at 7.30 a.m. And I felt like a tractor trailer truck had just ran over my face twice and then backed up to see if I was okay. I got, I got to, the, to the conference that morning at 8.30 and my eyes were tight. You ever sweated inside your eyelid right in here? I had sweat right in here. Meat sweats, just sweating. I'm like, oh, God, why did I do that? Gave me a coffee. I drank coffee. He said, you, hey, you want to snack? I said, I can't, I can't even look at food. I never want to eat again in my life. I hate food. Golly, why did I do that? About noontime rolled around. I was like, when, when, is, when is lunch? What are we having for lunch? What are we doing for lunch? Because you ain't ever full. You're going to eat again, baby. You're going to eat again. I know. I know you did it too. I know you went too far this time. But trust me, that flesh, oh, yeah, it could just pass by you. And all, um, Hey, I'm, all of a sudden I'm hungry. Hey, you ever been not hungry at all? Get to the restaurant, look at the menu and go, my God, I'm so hungry. Your flesh ain't ever going to be full. That country will never satisfy you. It'll never satisfy you. It'll only be a season and then it's gone. It'll only be a moment and you'll thirst again. But Jesus said, whosoever drinketh the water that I will give him. Oh, hallelujah. Shall never. And here he is in a far country. A famine comes to that land. He runs out of money. He runs out. It's taken from him. He spent his money on riotous living. It's gone. He wasted it. The Bible tells us in chapter, in chapter 15, verse 13, that he wasted his money. He wasted it on riotous living. He, he didn't spend it. He wasted it. And when he had spent all he had, the Bible says that there arose a famine and he began to be in want. Isn't that amazing that the famine waited until he was broke? 
The famine didn't come when he had money in his pocket, but the Bible said after he had spent all he had, then a famine hit. That famine was timed conspicuously perfect. Yeah, because the, because the devil knows when to vex you. A vexing is a stacking. To vex means to stack. And the devil knew, okay, he ran out of friends. He ran out of money. <laughs> now let me put this on him. And he has nothing now. And there's a famine. And he has nothing to, he has no money. And he has nothing to do. And so here's what the Bible says. He went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Not his father's country. Not his father's people. Not his home. Because every house ain't the father's house. Just because it's a farm don't mean it's the father's farm. Oh, hallelujah. All, all, all places of worship are not created equal. Amen. It just because it looks that way don't mean it is that way. And he went there and he found himself in a mess. And, 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 and before he, he, he knows it, now you got to understand the story that Jesus is talking to these, these Pharisees, Sadducees, and sinners and publicans. And he says, and the, and, and, and the owner of that place, that, that, that house in the other country, the owner of that house sent him out to feed swine. Now, when Jesus said swine in that little setting, everybody said, ooh, because they didn't deal with swine. They don't touch it. They don't get close to it. In their world, in their mindset, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen. It is the bottom of the barrel. And Jesus is telling, he, he went from telling a, a story to telling a nightmare. He's telling ghost stories now. Everybody's got their hands over their mouth. Swine. Oh, my God. How do you go from that to that? Listen, don't ever say it, not me. I, I'll never. No, because you don't know what you'd do. You really don't know what you'd do. No, no, no. Listen, listen. I used to sit on the front row with a young man who shouted, danced, cried, wept, was using the gifts. He, he did all, I'm telling you, when, and when, the, when, the, when the services started, he was shouting from top of his head, sole of his feet. And today, he's a male prostitute. Dances for men for money. Hooked on drugs, can't get away from them. But, 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 but I shouted beside him, so don't tell me. Don't, don't look at me and say, oh, no, not me, pastor. You know, I, you know, I can handle this. You can't handle this. You know, you know, it'll be okay. I'll be all right. It ain't going to be all right because you don't know what your flesh is capable of. The heart of man is exceedingly wicked. The Bible says, who can know it? How do you even know what you'll do? You don't know. And now he's out there with swine. He, he, he couldn't imagine in his wildest dreams that he'd be feeding pigs. And he wasn't about to eat the pig. Watch this. He wasn't about to eat the pig. When he's, he's out there with pigs and he's thinking about food. Now, if me and you was out there with pigs and we was thinking about food, we'd be eating bacon. But he ain't thinking about the pigs. Watch what he says. The Bible says in his mind, he would feign, F-A-I-N, feign, which means he would have loved to. It would have been good to him. He would fain have eaten what the swine did eat. Not one moment did it cross his mind to eat that pig, but he would eat what the pigs was eating. Because he was, listen, he went to feed the swine, and the Bible says this, and no man gave to him. Wait a minute, I thought you was working for the man, but he not giving to you? That's what sin will do to you. 
Sin will make you put in all the work and leave you hungry. Sin will work you from sun up to sundown and you have nothing to show for it. You'll still be as weak and you'll still be as broke. That's why sin just keeps taking from you, taking from you, and you become anemic while sin is just gaining from you. He's feeding the man's swine and no man gave unto him. But before he could put the food in his mouth, he came to himself. Thank God, because if he would have ate it and he would have liked it, he may have stayed. But before he could eat it, here's what I want to say to somebody. You don't know this right now, but the Lord will show this to you in Revelation. But you are not eating what you could be eating. You don't have to live like this. I, I know so many people that have taken a lesser level of life because they don't feel worthy enough to go back to the Father. So they've decided this is what I'm going to have to do. But can I tell you, you don't have to do that no more. Put down the plate and say, you know what? I'm not living below my means anymore. I'm not going to do this. The Bible said he came to himself and he said, what am I doing here? Why am I here in my father's house? Even the servants have bread and enough to spare. And here I am. I perish with hunger. He said, I will arise. I will go to my father. I will say to my father, I have sinned. Listen, he started, he started telling himself what he was going to do. Sometimes you don't need a preacher. You need to tell yourself what you're going to do. Some of y'all waiting for me to preach you out, but you ought to talk your way out right now. Your, your, your message is the greatest message you'll ever hear. Who cares what I say when you start saying, you know what, I'm getting out of here. You know what, I'm not living like this no more. You know what, the devil is a liar. You know what, I refuse to live below my means. When you start talking, when you start saying, you know what, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I'm just going to let God do whatever God wants to do with me. He got up and he went. And in his mind, the father is mad. In his mind, the father is disappointed. In his mind, the father is angry. In his mind, the father is just sitting over there just as mad as he can be. In his mind, the father is judging him. But little did he know that the father wasn't mad. The father wasn't disappointed. The father wasn't angry. Little did he know the father was waiting. Oh, hallelujah. He wasn't mad. He was just looking every day. Looking down the road every day. Every day he just come up there and just look. I know he was waiting. I ain't got time to preach all this today because I got to get to my point. I ain't got time to preach this part. But here's how I know he was waiting. Because at the end of what I read today, he said, kill the fatted calf. The fatted. We've been fattening it. The day he left, that father said, hey, take that little cow out of the, out of the flock. Bring him over by here by the house. He's not going to eat the regular stuff. Give him that good stuff. We're going to fat him up. The fatted calf. We fatted him. That means there was an anticipation of return. The father was looking. <clears throat> the father wasn't mad. The father was waiting. Can I preach to somebody today? God ain't mad at you. Stop believing that mess. That's a lie. 
God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you. God is not angry with you. He's waiting on you. He's standing right now waiting. One day my son's coming home. One day my daughter is coming back. One day the devil's going to have to let him go. One day they're going to wake up and say, I'm going home. Uh, I wish I had time to preach it all, but I'm, I'm trying to get my point. The father ran. He saw him and he ran. Ran to him. Before he could ever make it home, before he could ever come in the door, the father ran to him. You, you, you don't have to be right. So many people telling me, well, you know, Pastor, when I get myself right, I'm going, you ain't never going to get yourself right. Just come on. Because the father, when he sees you coming, he don't care how far you are. When he saw him afar off, he ran. When he saw him afar off, do you know how far your eyes can really see? If, you wanna, if, you, if you're wondering how far your eyes can see, just look at the moon tonight. And if you can see the moon, then you know I can see a long way. That's how far your eyes can really see. And the Bible said the father saw him afar off. I don't know how far he was, a mile, maybe two, I don't know. But afar, he ran to him, fell on him, <laughs> hugged him, and kissed him. No change, no repentance. The father, the son has not repented. The son has done nothing to make amends. Here's our problem in the church. We, we, we keep thinking we have to make an amends. Let me speak to somebody that may have never heard the gospel before. The gospel doesn't need you to make an amends. The gospel don't need you to make things right. God didn't die so that you could start making stuff right. No, he ran to you when you were unworthy. He ran to you when you were unclean. He ran to you when you still smelled like the pigs that you were just feeding. He ran to you. And he embraced him and he kissed him. He kissed him, embrace and kiss. These are two of the most significant signs of love in the Jewish community. When Jesus says to these people sitting around him listening, he embraced him and he kissed him. To us, it's just normal stuff. You know, we do that to people. We love, hey, what's going on? You know, we give a, you know, give a little kiss on the cheek, a hug. It's just things that we do. But in this day and time, when he said he embraced him, and he kissed him. Everybody in the, in the audience said, because it was a sign. Wait a minute, he had to come home and follow a 12-step program to come back into sonship? Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. He didn't have to pay a penance? He didn't have to do 12 Hail Marys? You mean he, he hugged him and kissed him? With nothing being said? Before the son could ever say, Father, I'm a sinner, he was hugging him and kissing him. <laughs> he hugged him and he kissed him. And the, the Bible says, the Bible says that the son said, Father, I've sinned. And, 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 and I, I sinned against heaven, I sinned against you. I mean, I didn't just sin against you, Dad. I, I sinned against you, but I also I broke the laws. I broke the Ten Commandments. 
I broke the law. So I've sinned against heaven. That's what he meant when he said I've sinned against heaven. That means he, I broke those ten commandments that, that you raised me to understand. I broke the Shema. I, I sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father doesn't even speak to him. The father speaks to the servants. <laughs> the father doesn't say anything to him. The father doesn't say you're right. The father doesn't say you're wrong. The father just goes into action. He begins to do things. There's no dialogue. The father will not say a word to the son this entire time. If you read Luke 15, then you will say, you will see that the father has no words for the son. He only speaks to servants. But he will never say a word to that boy. Not that we can tell. Not that we can read. It's because God in his place as father will not speak to you. He will just show you. He speaks to servants, but he shows sons. <clears throat> oh, hallelujah. He speaks to the servants, but the son is getting everything that's happening. He speaks to the servant. He says, bring him a robe. Because the robe is the covering. There, there's so much type and shadow here, but I'm not, going, I'm not going to do it all. The robe is the covering of the son. He's repented, repent, and be baptized, covered by the blood, covered in the robe. The robe represents the family. The robe represents the insignia. Now, he didn't say bring him a robe. He said bring him the best robe. There's a lot of ways to be baptized, but there is the way to be baptized as well. Bring him the best robe. And put it on him. Cover him. Cover the mud. Cover the sin. Cover the smell. Cover him. Cover him. Cover his past. Cover his brokenness. Cover his wounds. Get the robe and cover him. And put a ring on his hand. The ring is the insignia. The ring holds the name of the family. The, 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 the ring is the name. When you have the insignia, you have the power of the name of the family. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He puts the ring on him because it's the name. There's power in the name. When, when I was baptized in the name, the name of God, the name. When I was baptized in the name, I took on all the power of the name. For in him dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When you say Jesus, you say Yeshua. When you say Jesus, you say Elohim. When you say Jesus, you say El Shaddai. When you say Jesus, you say Adonai. When you say Jesus, you say Jehovah, Jireh, Nisi, Rapha, Shalom, Signu. When I got the ring, I got the power. When I got the ring, I got the healer, the deliverer, the way maker, the burden bearer, the heavy load sharer, the bond breaker, the chain breaker. When I got the name, I got it all. 
Oh, yeah. He said, bring him the robe, the best robe, bring him the ring. And then he says this, and I'm almost finished. She said, get him some shoes, not sandals. He said he's sandals. Nope, that's not what the Bible said. The Bible doesn't say sandals. The Bible says shoes. It wasn't sandals. It probably was sandals because that's what they wore back in those days. But I want you to see shoes. Put some shoes on his feet. The man was barefooted. This is what, this is what I read. Oh, it's so good to me. It may not be good to you, but it's good to me. Bring him the robe. Bring him the ring and get him some Reeboks. Put shoes on his feet. Here, here, here. In this day and time that Jesus is speaking about, everybody who's sitting, this is why I've been drawing attention to the people sitting around him and their cultures and commonplaces. They know that in a home with servants, servants never wear shoes. They can't. The only people in the home that wear shoes are family. This way, if a visitor comes into the house, they know immediately every person walking around here with shoes on are family. And every person barefooted is a servant. It is a way for society to determine. If you're in, if you're in society and you're walking down the street, every person walking down the street barefooted, they're either a servant, a slave, or they're subordinate. But every person walking down the street with shoes on, they have a name, they have a family name, they have a home. And when he showed up, when he showed up, life had taken his sonship. Life had taken his shoes. They had taken his spot. When he showed up, he showed up as a slave, a slave to sin. And here's the deal. He was a slave to his own lust because lust is more than sexual. Lust is about what I want. That's what lust means. And he had, he was a, lust had taken away his shoes. When he left that house, he left with shoes on. Brother Brian? Because he belonged. When he left that house, he took that father's money and he walked out the door. He, there were shoes on his feet given to him by the father. Given to him. He knew his place in the home. When he walked around the home, you didn't, listen, the servants had to not wear shoes so they could not be heard. They could not be a distraction. Servants could not wear shoes, so there would be no sound when they walked. That was their responsibility. Servants didn't wear shoes. And so when this father said, put shoes on his feet. <laughs> what he was saying was, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Because I already put him in the robe. I already covered him in the blood. I put a ring on his finger. I gave him my name. But now I'm going to put my spirit on him. Because it is the spirit of the son in your hearts crying, Abba, Father. It ain't enough to have the baptism. It ain't enough just to have the name. But I got to have the Holy Ghost. It's the spirit of God. Ah, 
Here's what he said in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body. Ye shall live. For as many that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Put the shoes on. Give me some Reeboks so that I can be led by the Spirit. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I thank God for the baptism in his name. But I thank God that he put his Spirit on the inside of me. Oh. Let me tell you how he breaks it down in Galatians. But when the fullness of time was come, four and four. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, are you ready for it? Here it is, verse 7. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant. Put your shoes on, ma'am. Put your shoes on, sir. Get your Reeboks on. I'm no more a servant. When I came in, I came in barefooted. But when I leave, I'm leaving with my shoes on. I'm le- I came in with no home. I came in with no father. We have not many fathers. But when the spirit of the son came on me, I'm no more a servant, but I'm a son. And if a son, then an heir. My shoes tell the world I'm an heir. (laughs) My Reeboks tell the world I'm an heir. Oh, hallelujah. Too many of us walking around full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit, with no shoes on. Walking around barefoot in the world that wants to trip us up. But the Bible told us, no, 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 if you got the Spirit, the angels will take charge over thee unless thee dash thy foot against a stone. He said, that's why we got to have our feet shod with the preparation of what? The gospel. I got to put them shoes on. Listen, I thank God for everything else, but I also thank God that I know I'm a son. I'm no longer a servant. I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer in bondage. He's the yoke breaker. He's the chain breaker. When he put my shoes on, he told me, you're my son. You're my son in whom I'm well pleased. Keep standing, keep standing. I'm coming to a close. Stand up. If you don't stand up, I'll keep preaching. Hallelujah. Put your shoes on, sir. I see so many Christians barefooted in the Holy Ghost. I see so many Christians barefooted in the Spirit, walking on broken glass, walking on broken past. God gave you the Spirit but you unlaced them and you took them off and you walk around here hurting, hurting. And everywhere you step, there's pain. And everywhere you step, there's trouble. But the Lord told me to tell you today, put your Reeboks on, lace them up because I'm about to take you to places you can't go barefooted. Oh, oh, hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. I'm about to take you into places that you can't go barefooted. I'm about to take you into places that servants never get invited to. 
I'm about to walk you behind the doors that servants never get behind. I'm about to take you to heights that servants never get. That's why Abraham, that's why Abraham told the, the, the two young men who were there volunteering their help, their time, they were servants. He told them, he said, stay here with the stuff. Me and my son. Uh, servants can't go here. You guys stay here with the stuff. Servants stay with the stuff. But sons go to the mountaintop. Me, me and my son are going to go up and we're going to worship. Me, me and my son are going to go look at God face to face. Me and my son are going to go make sacrifice that will change the world. Me and my son are about to go show the Lord how much we fear him. Well, I'm just piggybacking off Brother Tim Green from last week because I need this church to know you have not many fathers. But when he puts them shoes on your feet, that's why when you walk into places, the atmosphere changes. That's why when you're standing at the checkout counter, people be talking to you in a different way. They talk to everybody before you and after you. That's why when you step onto the, into the used car lot, they come running. How can we help you, sir? How can we help you, ma'am? It's different. Why is it different with me? Because I'm a son. And I'm an heir. So if I'm an heir, the earth is his and the fullness thereof. Every car on this parking lot is mine. Why don't we think like that, Brother Q? Why don't we think like that? Every house in this neighborhood is really mine. I'm just going to go in here and say, Lord, what's your will? I know you want me to have. I'm an heir. I'm a son. I'm not a servant. I'm not begging God to give me what is his good pleasure to already give me. Why? Why haven't you slept in three or four days, ma'am? Because your anxiety is so high. Because of the fear you have in your life. The fear that someone else is trying to put on you. Don't you know who your daddy is? Put your shoes on, ma'am. Tonight when you get home and the enemy tries to vex your mind, call on the name of Jesus and put your shoes on and say, I'm, I am a daughter. I am a daughter of the Most High God. He's on my side. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hey. I am more than a member of Truth Chapel. I'm more than a member of this church. I'm more than a member of some denomination. I am more than that. I am a son, and you are a son and a daughter of God. So put your shoes on so you can climb the mountain. Put your shoes on. Lace up those Reeboks so that you can go where God's calling you to go. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> because the Lord has not caused my foot to slip. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yeah. This is why he told us. He said, Brother Hayden, he told us, he said, how beautiful are the feet 
how beautiful they are. I'm closing. It says, Moses, Moses, here, here am I. Here am I, Lord. He said, Moses, for this moment, while you're standing in my express presence, do me a favor. Take off your shoes. Take, take your shoes off. Okay, I'll take, take my shoes off. Moses takes his shoes off. He says, Moses, I want you to go. And I want you to serve my people. You're my son, but you're their servant. When you get up from here, Moses, you put those shoes back on and you go do what you got to do. But don't you ever forget that when I called you, I called you with shoes off. That's why I'm his son, but I'm your servant. In the spirit realm, in this church, I'm barefooted because I'm the servant of all, chief servant. But when I walk out of this room, my shoes are on. And God gives me dominion everywhere I put my feet. And we have to understand the moments that our shoes come off and the moments that our shoes stay on. I mean, I wish I could really preach it to you today. I wish I had time to really tell you about it because Jesus gets down. He goes to unlace Peter's shoe. He said, you can't take my shoes off. He said, if I can't, you're not of mine. If you won't let me serve you, you're not of mine. You can't be of me. If you can't take your shoes off at certain times and put them on at certain times, you don't have to, you're not a part of the kingdom. Because there are moments when I am his son. There are moments when I serve. And I have to understand that when I'm carrying the gospel, you can see my feet. How beautiful are the feet of them. Not the shoes. But the feet of them that carry the gospel because when I'm carrying the gospel, Brother Tommy, I'm a servant. I'm walking in the form of a servant. What I'm doing is I'm carrying the gospel so lightly that you see the gospel but you don't hear me. And there's so many of us in this room We've forgotten who we are. And even myself have to be reminded that yes, I'm a servant to these people. But God, I can put my shoes on and I can walk boldly into the throne room. Say, hey, Father, I need help serving these people. When I'm with you, my shoes are on because I'm yours. But Lord, I need help when I got to take my shoes off. And hear a word that says, let my people go. And preach a delivering word to your people. 
Today I'm preaching to somebody you got to understand today that God calls you son and he calls you daughter and you are not less than. And there's some folks in here today you don't even understand everything I'm talking about. But can I tell you that if you'll come to this altar today and you'll say, Lord, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against thee and I'm no more worthy. I'm not even worthy to be called thy son. I'm not worthy to be called thy daughter. I'm not worthy. Can I tell you the Lord will give you everything you need. If you'll, if you'll let it happen today, you can be baptized in Jesus' name. You can repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he'll put shoes on you today. And when you walk out of this room today, you'll walk out covered by the blood of Jesus. Wearing the name upon you. And walking in the shoes that only sons can wear. Only daughters can wear. I wonder right now if you could just lift your hands all over the building and close your eyes. I'm going to open this altar. There's, someone already, there's people already down here. But I want to open this altar today for somebody that would like to come and talk to your father. Maybe you've made some mistakes and you feel like that you can't do what God has called you to do anymore. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I'm no longer a son. I feel like I'm a slave. I feel like I'm a servant in this thing. But God said, come on down here, son. Let me talk to you. Come on down here, daughter. Come on. Come, come, come. Come one, come all. The altar is open. The altar is open today for sons and daughters. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've said. I don't care where you've been. He wants to cover you today. Oh, he wants to cover you today. He wants to wash you today. Wash you in his name. Wash you in his word. Wash you in his power. The altar, the Hallelujah. Come on, put on those shoes. Put on those shoes. Put on your shoes, sir. Put on your shoes, man.